Good morning, everybody. This is uh, Dr. Marcus McKinney. I'm calling you today directly to be able to uh, have this nice podcast, Caring in a Soulful Way. Uh, we've been doing this for a number of months now. We welcome you. We have a bunch of students and people interested in depth psychology. So um, we're excited to have with us today uh, Xavier. Many of you have met Xavier before. If you haven't, all you need to go back and do is go back and see his podcast that he's done with us before. Um, but Xavier is, I want to get this right, he's a board certified chaplain. He's in Washington, D.C. He's a good colleague of ours, but he's also an expert in trauma and other areas of counseling. So I'm especially grateful to have you with us today, Xavier. This podcast goes good out morning. to a whole bunch of different people. I'm at Day Kimball, but I've joined with Xavier on a lot of the classes we have. So if you're interested in those classes, I'll just say, let me know. Uh, we'll follow up from there and uh, make you aware of it. These classes are a blend of spiritual insight. And so you can be a minister. You don't have to have some big degree and license. But if you're sitting down tonight caring for somebody, what you're about to hear here and what you would get in our classes will help support your ministry. So welcome, Xavier. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Thank you so much from Washington, D.C. All is well. Good, good. Glad to be here. <laughs> yes, sir. So we're going to touch on a subject that many would not touch, but I think it's very important for so many of us who are um, working with diverse populations. I don't know. Well, I don't know many people that are not working with diverse populations, but you and I agreed to kind of tackle this subject before this week occurred where we had a big event in Atlanta that's yeah. impacting all kinds of folks across the country and beyond. Um, so it's really fresh for people that um, whether or not the individual that uh, sh shot some folks down in Atlanta had a prime motivation of hate or racial issues, we already know the context in this country has seen a lot of targeted racial violence in recent years and actually going back some years ago. So here's what I wanna start with if I could, Xavier. I'm gonna make it personal for you and me. I remember, because I'm an older fella, um, quite a bit, we shall say, older than Xavier, but I, I remember the 60s. And I remember being a school, sitting at a lunch table in Cincinnati area uh, during some very volatile, racially charged times. And I remember a football player, I mean, you know, big old strong muscled football player, African-American guy. I didn't know him personally, but I knew of him because I watched the football games of that high school. I was a little freshman sitting at the cafeteria with a couple of my friends. And all of a sudden there's a scuffle and three white guys pick him up and throw him through the window. That was the first trauma firsthand that I had that had me just take my breath away. Mm. But you and I through the years and probably many who are listening have been harmed, touched, um, challenged by racism. And I wonder, is there anything when you look back at your past that was a critical moment for you either personally or that you witnessed that you said, this is something that we've got to get a handle on. I can't escape it in ministry. It's got to be part of what we're trying to help teach people. 
any illustrations, anything that comes from your memory? Well, uh, I'm, first of all, I'm glad that you decided to, to uh, tackle the subject, particularly in um, challenging how the church and how Christians are supposed to deal with this uh, going forward. Um, but as you can see, I uh, come from a long line of Black people. <laughs> and, and my father, um, when he came back from the war, uh, uh, from Vietnam, um, and he was also uh, in Korea. So one of the things, he's a little bit older. So one of the things that he uh, had to deal with was definitely, um, he's always, it's always been in his consciousness that as I came up uh, to, to be mindful of who I am and uh, what uh, my black skin represent to, to, to a certain group of people. Um, and where what what our history has been since the day we sprang uh, from the hand of God on this planet, and so he uh, was not uh, too much of a religious man. Uh, he was a little bit older, mm -hmm. and uh, um, and that was it was in the military, veteran, and so that was always within the realm of his consciousness. Uh, uh, being mindful of what happened in, in, to the the troops when they came back from Korea, and then his own. Uh, uh, experience back from from uh, Vietnam. So yeah. I uh, grew up here in Washington, D.C. or in the region. And so uh, while uh, there's no problem in the conclave where I live here in Congress Heights, but when you go downtown and have a mix with others, uh, there's a, a demarcation line where, uh, uh, you know, it's action. That's the stage. And that's where you know stuff goes on, right. but it's always been in in the realm of my consciousness because my father uh, made sure that I was always mindful of of how things were going to play out for me um, within the skin that I that I'm wearing. Yeah. Did you find yourself as you got into this work of ministry um, struggling with how to guide people? when it starts to creep into their neighborhoods, their families, you know, I was in DC for quite a bit, went to university of Maryland. And I remember there've been seasons where it was worse than other seasons. Um, but there's so many layers to this topic, like hiring, you know, prejudiced in hiring. I've seen firsthand those things that in fact, what we did at St. Francis um, uh, was move many years ago toward really some sensitivity to making sure that when you're hiring, uh, you have a diverse group of people you're interviewing. I mean, that sounds simple now, especially we have to remember that in Hartford where St. Francis is, you know, it's an extremely diverse population. It's the minority is white really in the city itself. Um, and obviously you want qualified people, but there were lots of qualified people that were good for many of these jobs, but they weren't even, you would, you would look and see that they weren't even being considered. So we moved toward actually some initiatives, um, but you must sit with folks and they bring to you, I don't feel like I'm accepted or how do I help someone? You're helping, in some ways we're helping people who are helping others. Right. Do you find that an issue in your work as you, in recent years? 
Absolutely. Um, and, and there are a couple of things that you mentioned that I, I wanted to touch on quickly. Uh, first of all, we, we have to understand what that thing is, what that pathology is, right? And so it's hard uh, to, to, to try to nail it down. Of course, the historical context has presented a face, have tried to name what that thing is, right? So when I sit with someone, one of the things that I'm trying to do is to help them understand uh, what exactly is happening, right? Why it seems to have be so pervasive. Why is there, uh, it has a personality to it. It seems to not ever die, seems to persist despite your best efforts. And what that means, right? We share a, a, a theological concept that allows us to see things beyond what we can see the natural realm, right? Uh, that uh, there is an evil genius, a, a source in the universe from which darkness comes from, right? Yeah. Uh, and so with our understanding of that, we, see, we, we know the Lord Jesus told us he comes uh, to give us life, but the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And everything that, that, that's about death, everything is, that's about oppression and, and, and those kinds of things come from a particular personality uh, that's separate and other and different uh, than the Lord Jesus Christ. And because that comes from a person, the ability, that energy that proceeds from him energizes people that, that partake in this kind of behavior. Um, mm -hmm. It's a mentality and it's a behavior, right? It's a disposition uh, as well. So once we first understand that, that um, that this is not some something that that is of this world, that it comes from another place. It's being played out in the theater of what's happening on the planet, but it's coming from an, an individual, uh, a personality that's not like God. And so when we first explore that, then we have to actually deal with, with some of the, the actual insults to the integrity and dignity of Black people, people of color, you know? And so uh, we have to reframe what, what matters, what constitutes uh, a, a direct insult. And that's a lot of reframing because America teaches people uh, how to measure their life. You measure your life by things. You measure your life by degrees and lands and cars and property. This is how you measure your life. And so when those things are challenged, that feels like it's a challenge to the person, to the dignity of the person. And so when we teach and we sit down and we share with people that you can't measure your life by these things, that they, these are things that are corruptible, they will pass away, you can't take it with you. <laughs> you know, so you have to, there's a reframing piece, right? And then, so there's a theological uh, a piece that we have to talk about, then there's a very personal uh, 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 piece that you, you have to, uh, well, sociological in that how you, how you uh, define life and how you measure your life. And then there's a very personal aspect mm -hmm. where you have to sit down and, and, and talk to someone that insults are going to come, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and these things are going to happen in the world. Uh, because of that, that evil genius. But, but, but when it happens, this is how you flow with it. This is how you don't let it stay in the body and then trigger you in such a way that now you can't function. Now so you that's triggered. So let me follow up on that because that's really good. What you're saying, it sounds like is, so I'm a, you know, 55 year old uh, woman, woman's ministry leader but I find events like this week 
come into my life because troubled people in my ministry come to me and say, well, some, I worry about this or that. I worry, you know, these worries come up and we need education. So when you talk about reframing, that's, I need to go and learn something about history, let's say of people of color or people different than me, whatever that is. I might need to learn some and I might need to appreciate this theological understanding, which in an oversimplified way would mean, um, do I have sophistication to differentiate um, a belief that I have that I've never, I just kind of absorbed this belief by personal or collective stuff that happened to me, you know, personal stuff or stuff I watched on the news, let's say. I'm shaped by these things and I probably need to get some education. Where do we go for that education? <laughs> well, <laughs> because white supremacy <laughs> has filtered through the educational system. Uh, there's, there's quite a bit that, that, has, that, that has to happen. There's a book called The Lies My Teacher Told Me, right? There's a bunch of other uh, things out there that sort of uh, sets your true north uh, towards what truth is and proceeding yeah. from there, right? We know truth right. is, is a person, right? And then from him uh, uh, comes all understanding about the way things are. So the, being self-educated and learning to, to actually uh, follow uh, these things, and, and there, there are plenty of, of, of good people out there that you can follow. I'm not going to name any directly, per se, but you, you have to uh, go on a personal education, and it can't be one from bitterness. It can't be one from, from anger. It has to be a desire and pursuit for truth and knowing what that is, and so uh, your starting place, of course, has to be where we are, the theological framework that we have and those underpinnings, so starting from there and coming out. And uh, in, 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 as you said, there's a, there's a history, there's a theology, there's a philosophy, there's a science behind it, because you, you, if you don't study it, then you won't understand what racism is, right? If it, you, there's a, there's a, a moral injury that occurs in, in the person uh, uh, in order for them to perpetuate these kinds of behaviors. The neurosciences, a study of the neurosciences have shown us what happens in the mind of someone when they hold these kind of schemas in their head and, uh, uh, and the narratives that, that flow from it, right? Schema therapy, understanding those kinds of things uh, have really been, been helpful. And then the people that I help uh, uh, with my neuroscience training and understanding of schemas and narratives, uh, those kinds of things, and sharing with them what the moral injury is. Um, so you, you have to uh, think that this, you have to understand, first of all, that racism is, is very sophisticated, right? And, it, and it's very detailed, and, and, it, and it comes down to the most basic things, micro, micro uh, uh, aggressions and, and those kinds of things are extremely very, uh, uh, calibrated and, and intentional and direct, right? And so um, uh, you, you have to have this kind of awareness where I'm gonna follow it. It's gonna show me some things, even about our own culture, right? right. It's gonna show me some things that I don't necessarily like, but I'm gonna follow it to the end. And then this is uh, how you, you inform your That's understanding. Very, very helpful, Xavier, uh, because I think uh, I, I gradually get over the course of my life in this work, uh, uh, some rules, uh, kind of rules of thumb, something that I'm really thinking are basic things. And one of them related to what you're saying uh, for me is I need to be pretty thick skinned 
So if I'm going to, and humbled, so that if I'm going to say, I need to learn something about Asian folks in this country, what's the history there? There's a history. And, and not all of it's going to be in a textbook I ever read or was exposed to. I may have to go looking for that. Yes. But when I, when I do, I've got to be humble to say, there are a lot of things I don't know that my beliefs, now we talk about beliefs just for a second. There are theological religious beliefs, but then there are also just beliefs. My mother and fa father taught me certain things and that's part of my belief system now, or my community believed certain things. And I, I've never written those down. They're not in some manual, but they're part of who I am. So when I encounter someone, those beliefs come to surface and yes, I may do. not have reflected on those beliefs. So we have to kind of be humble and thick skinned when we read something that feels like it's attacking me. I'm a white old man. And right now, politically, that's a could be a, a, a something easily um, looked at as a distortion because there are many white privilege kinds of, or if you will, white supremacy, whatever these terms suggest that um, there's a history there of what people who look like me have done, even in my own you know, background and me myself. And so I've got to be pretty thick skinned not to take it personally and then start being defensive. So this education needs to include me seeking um, more knowledge, but also being willing to learn and I have discovered, even in myself, sometimes those things are a little harder than they sound when we're listening to a podcast. So yes. I'm like, sure, yeah, I can learn. I, I you know, I'll, I'll watch CNN and I'll learn something. But this is really bigger than that. I want to go to something on your Facebook because I just want to refer people to our face. It's you know, your Facebook page. Uh, Xavier Justice has this Facebook page, and there have been a couple of clips from a, a young man I've never heard of but uh, oh yeah <laughs> amazing amazing and and wrestling with the big issue man some big big issues and i'm thinking that book that you that is on that film that that he's written has to be something that m some people might consider very important to get exposed to these things he seems to be very diplomatic but um clear and you've probably known of him for some time. I've, I've not, Quite some time. I felt that was, I really like that on your podcast. I, I mean, on your uh, webpage. So let me, let me get one more thing in here. Um, so, and this can, this can be, so you answer it whatever way you want there, Xavier, as you, as you always do. But um, here's a church. It has this young guy in it that, that shot up some folks in Atlanta, killed some folks in Atlanta. Horrific event may have been when they sort all the details out a hate crime may have had racial overtones in it appears to be but they'll decide it but the church i'm really looking at the church now the church comes and says we're we don't believe you can actually be a christian and do this kind of thing and then try and defend it because you've got some sexual addiction or whatever and so we're going to I don't know what they call it. it. They are a Southern Baptist church, and I should know the answer to this, Xavier, but they're, they're going to dismiss them from being a member. Now, where, let me just ask you this, if you could respond at all, where does mental health play in this? I didn't hear in the church's statement. It could be implicit, maybe somewhere in there, but um, is there a place for assessing mental health 
um, when we're trying to say, here's what happened, and we're making a stance, they're not Christian, they're not following Christ. Um, is there a place for mental health? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that um, one of the things that's, that's difficult is because we're trying to chart and find our way. The church in America, or, or global, the global church, is must begin to deal with some things. Uh, mental health was not in the theological training of, of the fathers, of, of the current leaders of the church, uh, when they came through in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, and, and so coming, if you trained in the 80s and 90s, it was starting to catch on, but it, it still wasn't a, a major thing in theological, Bible college, Bible institutes, divinity schools, seminaries, it wasn't uh, a, a lot in the pastoral ministry, ministry kinds of training, you, this was something specialized and something that you would had, you had to, to, to go through. So understanding what the pastoral craft, what shepherding means, um, hasn't really been upon on the consciousness of most clergy. So that that that's the first thing I, I would say. Of course, there's a, a place in it when we when we look at kononia and we think about uh, fellowship and, and spiritual formation and nurture. All of these discipleship, all of these things are are are, are cousins, uh, hues of the same word. Counseling. Uh, uh, would go there. It would fit with, within our koinonia ministries, right? And in uh, spiritual nurture and those kinds of things. It has many different sayings across the denominations and how people are, are coming at it. But it, it's been with us for from the beginning. And so uh, uh, like a new toy or a new craft, uh, it's not a new craft. It's an extension of the pastoral craft. And many, many ministers think that it, it's not just apologetics and homiletics and hermeneutics, the science of hermeneutics, but counseling belongs there as well. And so when we uh, include it as the primary task of shepherding, one of the primary tasks, in my opinion, uh, uh, the soul craft, uh, uh, um, when we find what that is and understand that, then uh, uh, um, I think that there we will see a new renaissance going forward in 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 the role of the of the man and woman of God, the pastor, the principals uh, uh, at the church. So when we when we start thinking that he's not a Christian, okay. So if if that's a declaration from the church, then he presents a wonderful opportunity for evangelism. He presents a wonderful opportunity as a target uh, for someone that 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 needs to hear the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ can set you free from all of the moral injuries and the traumas that triggered you and caused you to do the things that you did. Yeah. So um, if that's the case and uh, uh, and he is declared a non-Christian, then that means he, he's, a, he's, he's open uh, 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 for, for evangelism. He still becomes a person that we extend care, that we extend love, ultimately forgiveness. Now, of course, there's still a, a criminal justice aspect, right? That, right. that he has to face. Right. But, but as far as the things that actually cures the issue that he's dealing with, we have that answer. And as, 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 uh, practitioners of this of this this gospel, this euangelion, the good news, we have to begin to to sort of unpack what this pathology is that he's suffering from. Moral injury sits in the brain in a in a particular place that's just a little below uh, 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 the the. The, the memories, it, it sits in an in a, a interesting place in the brain. And when the moral injury occurs, that, that's, that's a, 
uh, a break that allows a person to go against their training, go against their conscience, go against their, their deeply, sincerely held beliefs, and then begin to perpetuate crimes and do things to people that they wouldn't normally do. There has to be a moral injury in order to hurt someone and to go beyond conscience, to go beyond imagination and memory and these kinds of, of things and where they, where they serve in, 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 in a person in order to inflict pain and harm and wickedness like we just saw. And what, what this does, it's a nice way to end here, I think is direct us back to the calling that you have and I have, that's a common calling. And it is to um, really deepen um, the ministry, the, the work of, uh, of our calling, uh, pastoral care, pastoral care specialist is the program we're involved with together. Um, deepen it so that when people are listening to this, they're less likely maybe to just say, well, you're a, either a Christian or non-Christian, or you're either doing evil or you're doing good. There is uh, aspects of the soul that we need to be a little bit more aware of. And I would say it invites being a little more psychologically informed, but not, you don't need to be a clinician. You don't right. need to be licensed. You don't need to be an expert, but we need to appreciate there are aspects of us that cannot simply be defined by um, theological terms. We are real people that, and those terms are very powerful and important. I'm not gonna undermine that. The word sin, which has kind of been set aside, very important word. We don't appreciate that, but it also means that um, what are we measuring by? What's the stick we're measuring by? And, and mental health is one of those things that we try to say, I need to assess that. I can assess spiritual things. And, but I often do that when a person's consciously doing something. But if in fact they're sick, I, I, what, what tool do I pick up to help assess? And what care do I render when the measuring sticks is, is now a mental health assessment? We help people with that, basically not becoming clinicians, but becoming good ministers. I make a case um, throughout my work that uh, there, there are not many, but there are some uh, authors like uh, John Sanford who wrote The Kingdom Within, The Inner Meaning of the Sayings of Jesus, where we look at scripture and we actually see there's a sophistication, even in how scripture was written, to show these depth of soul uh, mental health issues. They're not using... 2021 language, right? right? But it's still the great sophistication that there's something disturbing that's going on. And we have tools now that we may not have had 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And therein lies the work that you do. And so people will remember Xavier Justice is uh, one source you can go to for the kind of training or guidance or coaching or the pastoral counseling program that we run. But more and more, we're, I think we're going to see this because um, it's easy to not be terribly sophisticated and make judgments. And we don't want most people I work with, they don't really want to do that, but they're struggling with the tools. So can, you pointed us in education and, and coaching. Can, can, I, can I say that, okay, so the offender has, here he is, and, and he's, he's here, a product of his training, a product of his culture, a product of his own thoughts, of his own choices, a product of his nation, a product of, of all of these things have coalesced in an individual that has now been banned 
from the church, right? Yeah. So what do we do? Is that's it? Is that the end of the matter now that he's been banned? No, that's not the end of the matter. He, we still have a duty. We still have an obligation, a responsibility, a commission, if you will, yeah. to actually find people like him and show the brilliance of the things that we have at our that we have at our disposal to help him. And so uh, we've seen this before. We've seen it in, in, in worse degree. And, and, and so whatever he's suffering from, we can take care of it. And it but, it, but, but it can't, he, he isn't helped and no one like him is helped simply by saying he's this. And so the judgment is this. And now he must be separated from community uh, simply because of that. Again, I'm I'm not at all saying that he 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 escapes social uh, the the criminal justice aspect of what he's yeah. done. There's a the accountability that has to happen there, but but also from the church aspect, the end of the matter isn't that we've separated him from community. We now have uh, uh, while he breathes, we now have a commission to 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 still offer him grace, offer him the possibility of restoration, and that that mechanism is through counseling and and uh to just add to that i think the church i don't know the church they may be doing all the things we're suggesting need to be done to reach out and the press and things that i would read might not reflect that but i do think this is a very good point because what equipment that why would i as a church uh really want to dismiss myself from somebody part of that could be i think this is out of my field but like you said, well, if it's out of your field, when does it come back into your field? And what are we saying to the world as a church? There are, we used to say this, and this has helped our ministry in some ways. We used to say, well, if, if you send them down the street to a clinic, like you should many times to get other care than we can provide, but if that's the end of your role, what are these, what's the message to the world that there are things that the God can help in the church, but then there are things beyond God that only mental, only the clinic down the street. Well, why are we not collaborating? Why are we not getting educated a little bit on the implications of our own psychological approach? So again, I think it creates an opportunity for us to appreciate that commission we have and to say, in order to be effective in those commission, in that commission, might we as churches or places of worship start to get equipped better to have a bridge to mental health? Absolutely. Even if it's not a clinic, I'm not having a clinic in my church necessarily, but I might be a better bridge to holistic yes. health. And, and, and trauma, being trauma-informed, is is, and that's where I come in, is a, is a very big part of that. And so, yes, I ditto everything that you're saying there. So we're going to come back to trauma uh, in a future podcast, because <laughs> I know we've been teasing with all these other very important topics, but trauma is underneath a lot of it. So yes. uh, we'll come back and thank you from Washington, D.C., spending thank time you, with man. us this morning. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. Folks, if you're interested, um, you could always join our class. Give us uh, an email, McKinney at gmail.com or yeah. connect to this podcast. We'll, we'll let you find a way. But thank you, Xavier. Have a great weekend, buddy. Hey, thank you. Thank All you right. so much. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>